Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse 3. Again, as we continue with our series, For His Glory. Again, our uh, uh, theme this year is For His Glory. And so we have our series, and uh, we want to continue with that this week. Again, we uh, are certainly grateful that we can be a part of the work of God, and uh, boy, what a privilege it is. But uh, let's go ahead and take a look at this verse, and then we'll go from there. Again, I trust that uh, this morning's message will be a help and encouragement to you. Notice what it says here in the book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse 3. The Bible says, O magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt His name together. Again, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Again, we've made it very clear that uh, the word glory means primarily signifies it's an opinion, an estimate, and hence the honor resulting from a good opinion. And what we said was it's our job as believers to exalt the opinion of others of God. We're trying to make God big in the eyes of others. We want to glorify Him. We want to exalt Him. We want to magnify Him in the world in which we live. And so that's our goal. That's our desire. We noted also that from Scripture we are created for His glory. Again, we weren't created simply to uh, relax in our homes or take it easy with our new car or to have a nice bank account. We weren't even just put here to take care of our families. In reality, God's responsible for our families as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives. And so we learned, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 43, 7, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, we have been created. We literally live here. We are placed on this globe, this this earth in which we live with a purpose, and that purpose is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, for His glory is the reason we live. And if you have any other reason for existing other than to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, you have missed your biblical purpose for existing. And so tonight, or this morning, we want to continue in our study. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, Do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, that's our purpose. That's our reason for existing today. That's why God created us. That's why God left us here after we received and accepted Him as Lord and Savior so that we, in turn, could glorify Him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. A few weeks ago, we began to consider ways in which we can glorify the Lord. And we said that we must die to self for His glory. And then we noted just the other week that we are to delight to serve for His glory. And today, I want to consider this topic, determined to stand for His glory. If we're going to truly glorify the Lord, we need to stand for Jesus Christ. And so we want to determine to stand for His glory. And so without further ado, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll continue with our message this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are in heaven and that You are alive and well. Lord, You may have died on Calvary 2,000 years ago, but You rose again. You're not dead and You're not in the grave. You're alive and well. Thank You, Father, that as we pray and lift our voices to heaven, Lord, Your ear is listening. Thank You that not only do You hear our prayer, but You answer our prayers. Thank You, Father, that You love us that you care. And Lord, we're grateful that you give us the opportunity that we now possess to come to you in prayer, to serve you, to love you, to be called a child of God, and ultimately to live forever in your presence. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you've done. Now take the word of God today and drive home these truths. And Lord, if there be those that are without Christ in our midst, may they recognize and realize their need of Jesus Christ, knowing that, Lord, no matter how hard they try, no matter how often they speak your name, that until they have accepted and received your son, Jesus Christ, they fall miserably short of your favor. Oh, help them to see that they need Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, as their Lord. We'll thank you now, Father, as you give us victory today. In Christ's name, amen. The authorities were determined to bring this criminal to justice. His crime? Insurrection, insubordination. His actions had disrupted their routine in life. It had really disrupted their entire being, their culture, every aspect of their life. They were offended and they were disturbed by his disregard for their traditions and even their, his disregard for their sharp rebukes. He was a rebel, and he had gathered a rebellious group of men about him. The majority had rejected this man. But there was something very unusual about him and his followers. He spake like no other, and his words pierced, literally pierced into the deepest recesses of the souls of men. He had been warned to be silent on occasion, and even threatened with his very life. Still he proclaimed his message, and he would not be silenced. Finally, enough was enough. Every available resource was directed to bringing him to justice. They conspired against him, and they even convinced one of his followers to betray him. Then in concert together, they leveled one final blow. They captured him, confined him, and condemned him to death. He was falsely accused, feloniously assaulted, and finally abandoned. But nothing could cause him to waver or to be shaken. He was resolved. He was steadfast. He was undaunted and unmoved. To his very last breath, he continued to spread his message. As he cried, Father... Forgive them. He would not be silenced, but instead would stand to the very end. He stood for the faith, and he stood for the future of all mankind, and he exhibited an example of suffering and extended a legacy of sacrifice to the believer in every generation. It would not be long after that his disciples would ultimately be called upon to follow in his footsteps. They too would be given a chance to stand, an opportunity to rise up in the face of literally death. Matthew was slain in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged through the streets until dead. Luke was hanged. Peter and Simeon were crucified. Andrew was tied to a cross. James was beheaded. Philip was crucified and stoned. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Thomas was pierced with lances. James the less was thrown from the temple and then beaten to death. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias stoned to death. And Paul was beheaded. In just a generation... The Christian church understood the fateful words of their Lord. 
when he said, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Polycarp was one such man. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna, and at the turn of the first century, he heard that people were seeking his life for his faith and stand in Jesus Christ. He escaped, but was soon discovered by a child. The guards who apprehended him permitted him to pray for an hour. He prayed with such fervency that the very men that had captured him repented that they had ever been instruments to his capture. He was, however, carried before the proconsul and ultimately condemned. The proconsul then urged him, saying, Swear, and I will release thee. Reproach Christ. Polycarp answered, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has served me? With that said, he was taken to the marketplace and tied to a stake. The fire was lit and the bundle of twigs and sticks and branches caught fire. The flames literally encircled his body. The executioner, upon seeing this, was ordered to pierce him with a sword. And when he did so, the blood ran so profusely from his body that it put out the very flames. The followers of Polycarp asked for the body, but the proconsul, the leaders, would not give them his body. Instead, they relit the fire till his body was consumed. Throughout history, there have been men and women who have been determined to stand for his glory. They were willing to stand at all costs. They were willing to offer life and limb for the cause of Christ. Mary Dyer was one such woman. Puritan faith taught that it was impossible to know whether one was saved or not. Mary Dyer and her husband believed differently, of course, and they were excommunicated and banished from the Boston Puritan Church for their beliefs. They ended up in England in 1652 and became involved with the Quakers. Mary returned to Boston, and when she returned, she was very active, along with a couple of other friends that had gone with her. She was taken into custody as she watched her two fellow friends be hanged. She was released. But she was determined to return once again, even if it meant giving her very life. And on June the 1st, 1660, she was led to the scaffold and executed by hanging, refusing to repent. Instead, she held fast her faith and her beliefs to the very end. You and I today follow a tremendous legacy. Men and women have given their lives through the centuries, through the millenniums, in order to protect, promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we are seated here, a direct result of those faithful men and women of God who said, I will stand no matter the cost.
and if we wish to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, then we too must be determined to stand. I want to share three things concerning this standing. First of all, we must be determined to stand whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we read beginning in verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. First of all, in that particular passage, we see suffering. He says, therefore, endure hardness. I want you to realize and understand today as a believer, you are destined for some hardness. It is often amazing to me how we come to Christ and then expect life to be peachy or rosy. This is a battle in which we have entered into. We've enlisted into an army. We are Christ's soldiers today. And every soldier will endure hardness. And according to 2 Timothy 2, 3, that is indeed the case. It tells us later on in the chapter, a, cha- a book, chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Suffering. That is one of the costs of standing for Jesus Christ. You will suffer. But also we see in this passage separation. Notice it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Not only will a man or a woman suffer for standing for Jesus Christ, but they will be separated from others as well. We are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, or commanded, I should say, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The reality is, is today is that if we choose or are determined to stand, we will have to separate ourselves from certain elements in our culture and our society. That is a reality. As a matter of fact, there will be those who will separate themselves from us as well. That is not always easy to accept. It's not always something that we look forward to, but it is a reality in the Christian life that when we determine to stand for Jesus Christ, there will be those who will stand in opposition to our stand. Whatever the cost, suffering, separation. See, our life is focused on the battle now, not this life with all its distractions. But not only do we see that the cost may be suffering and separation, but also that we will be scorned. He says later on in verse 4, that he may please him who hath chosen him. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. See, the believer will wear a target on his or her chest. Being loyal to Jesus Christ and not swayed by the philosophies and ideologies of this world and of man will immediately place us 
directly in front of being maligned and mistreated. We will be right there. And that is what we will receive. We'll be mocked and scorned for our beliefs and for our position. You cannot expect your friends at work that are lost, your family that are unsaved, to understand your position and place on world events, on situations or beliefs or moral values. If you're not careful, you'll be found compromising your position. Instead of embracing Christ and His Word, you will find yourself embracing the world's ideologies. You'll say, but it, it's so much easier, it's simpler, it's more comfortable to, to follow in the world's footsteps. Yes, it is, but it is not standing for Jesus Christ. And one day we will stand before Him whether we want to or not and give an account for whether we stood on this earth or not. I don't want to be found ashamed at His coming. Be determined to stand whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. But number two, be willing to stand, or should I say determined to stand, whoever it offends. Whoever it offends. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 5, please, verse 26. Acts chapter 5, verse 26. Here we have testimony of the early church. Persecution had come to the church. Now we're going to find men, and even women ultimately, who would end up laying down their lives for the cause of Christ. In Acts chapter 5, verse 26, we begin reading, Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. What they'd been doing, Peter and the others, they'd been preaching the resurrected Christ. They'd said, that man that you called Jesus, that we cherished and loved, the man that we followed for three, three and a half years, was placed in a tomb. But my friend, he did not remain in that tomb. On the third day, he rose again. And as they preached that gospel, as they preached that truth, the council and others were very, very agitated. Ultimately, bringing them into custody, placing them into prison, and then warning them not to speak that truth again. But they would not be silenced. They stood for the Lord Jesus Christ. They proclaimed His message without apology and found themselves once again before the council. And Peter responds by saying in verse 29, along with the other apostles, mind you, Peter gets credit often, but the others also answered the same, we ought to obey God rather than men. May I say today that our message will offend. The message will offend, without a doubt. In verse 28, we read, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in His name? Didn't we tell you not to mention Jesus Christ? 
Did we not warn you? May I say that the message offended them. And the message was none other than one word, Christ. Christ is our message. He is our life. He is our all. And as we go into this world and we make a determination to stand on His behalf, it will be His name that we, that we speak. His name on our lips. But that name will offend. In 1 Corinthians 1.23, the Bible says, But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. Christ. Oh, you can be whatever religion you choose, and you can worship as you please, but do not mention His name. Oh, you can mention any other religious leader you like, but don't mention the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because His name offends. And He is our message. Not only does our message, will it offend, but our method will offend. In verse 28 again, we notice the Bible tells us, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in His name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Our method will offend. You say, what's that method? According to the Bible here, it is our unapologetic prophecy. We're not apologizing for the message. We're not saying, okay, I'm sorry, I mentioned Jesus. Let me tone it down a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. No, let us shout it from the housetops. Our unapologetic... Prophecy in Ephesians 6 20, the Bible says, For which Paul the apostle under inspiration says, Which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He didn't say I speak boldly by choice, I speak boldly because of my personality. No, I speak that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Can I help you to understand today that every child of God, every believer in Christ, everyone that names the name of Jesus ought to speak boldly on His behalf. Our unapologetic prophecy. But another method is our unwavering persistence, isn't it? I mean, the way we go about sharing our truths, we do it unapologetic, but we also teach this word and we preach Christ unwaveringly and with persistence. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8, the Bible says, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. I can only imagine after the first message, there were those in the crowd that said, Oh, would that man please shut up? We've heard enough already. And then he came back the next day, and the next day, and after a week, I can only imagine how upset some of the congregation had become, some of those that had gathered together to hear truth, and they said, oh no, not him again. We've heard this every single day. He is so persistent. He's unwavering. A month goes by. Two months go by. 
and finally three months. And the apostle stands and proclaims the greatest message in all the universe. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Our message will offend. Our message is an unapologetic prophecy, an unwavering persistence. But then it includes our undaunted passion. Acts 9.29 says, And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. (laughs) He's preaching now. I mean, he's preaching Christ resurrected. He's preaching Christ risen again. And he disputes with the Grecians, the Gentiles, and they went about to slay him, to kill him. You know what the amazing thing is about the believers of old and even in our present day who have decided and are determined to stand? They have an undaunted passion for Christ and the Word of God and for the work that God has given them to do. And there is no one and nothing that will stand in their way. But may I say that when we are determined to stand Our message will offend, and our method will offend. But also, our mindset will offend. Our mindset. In verse 29 of that passage, we read, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Our mindset will offend. Our worldview and our outlook is contrary to this world's. We don't see things the way the world does. We see things through the eyes of God and His Word. And that offends. You're nuts. How's come you're having a problem with gay marriage? How's come you have a problem with abortion? How's come you have a problem with not allowing the Word of God in the school system? What's your problem? I have no problem. I just see things through God's Word. I see things through the eyes of the Creator Himself, the most merciful and gracious one of all, the one who has your best and my best at heart and our society's best. These are not my views or opinions. These are simply plagiarized viewpoints from God's Word. I simply embrace His Word, apply His truth, and take on His mind. And for that, men and women are offended. Swearing John Waller, a man once known to his rowdy friends as being opposed to all forms of religion, he became a new man. Instead of opposing religion, he ultimately became a Baptist preacher in Virginia at a time when Baptist preachers were, pers- were persecuted by the state. It wasn't always in this country, there was not always freedom of religion. There wasn't always a right to believe as you choose. There wasn't always an opportunity to worship according to your conscience. May I tell you this, and may you study it yourselves. Baptists are the reason why we have the amendment on the books. That freedom of speech, that freedom of separation, 
is to keep government out of the church, not to keep the church out of government. Study it. See for yourself. But the fact is, is that there was a day when preachers and men and women of God were being persecuted, banished even for their beliefs, that they were contrary to the state church. The church that was being supported financially by the government. Even in our own country, this was the case. They left England to come to the United States to find religious freedom. And what did they do? Exactly what they fled from. And yet here we have a man who opposed all forms of religion, but now he becomes a Baptist preacher in Virginia when Baptist preachers were persecuted by the state. Waller's life was changed after he had served as a member of a grand jury bearing charges against a man by the name of Lewis Craig, who was also a Baptist preacher. Lewis Craig stood before the grand jury and he was indicted for preaching the Baptist gospel and holding unlawful worship services without permission of the state-supported Church of Virginia. Following the hearing, the grand jury retired to a tavern. It's a bar. We call them a lot of different names today, too. So it doesn't sound so bad. There, Craig boldly faced his accusers. Pastor Craig up on charges, boldly faced his accusers. He said, when I was in all kinds of folly and vice, the courts took no notice of me. But now that I have forsaken all those vices and am warning men to forsake and repent of their sins, you bring me to the bar as a common criminal. How do you explain all this? The grand jury, of course, could not answer the Baptist preacher's countercharges. And get this, Waller, being on that court, could not get away from Craig's boldness. For eight months, he pondered the difference between his life and that of Pastor Craig's. He began to attend church and to listen to other Baptist preachers. At last, he made a profession of faith, was baptized, and began preaching the Baptist gospel, they say in this report, that he once persecuted. Total change of mind. And that's exactly what happened to you the day you got saved. Oh, you say, but I still feel about things the way I used to. You must now allow the word of God and the spirit of God to take charge as we saw Allow Him to fill you. Study His Word and allow His Word to transform you, not just in that instantaneous moment of salvation, but through a process of life, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. See, our message, our method, and mindset will offend. It will offend the sinner, of course. And why not? Turn to James chapter 3, verse 19, would you? James chapter 3, verse 19. James chapter 3, verse 19. Coming off the hills of one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice now in verse 19, the Bible goes on to say, 
John 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. What an what a enlightening passage. little pun on words there. Again, the Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light. What are they saying? Well, the Bible we know is called a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Therefore, what he's virtually saying is this. Mankind, by nature, is darkness and therefore loves darkness. Because that is all mankind knows and that is all mankind is comfortable with. Darkness. That is why someone that is lost struggles to hear the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. That's why when confronted with the truth of this book, it, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. Therefore, it's hard to get somebody that has not been redeemed, not been purchased by the blood of Christ, not been saved and born again. It's hard to get them into the house of God because they loathe the message of light because they love darkness rather than light. But when Jesus Christ opens the eye of the unbeliever, illuminates their heart to the truth of Jesus Christ, they receive, once they've received and accepted Him as Savior, then they too can see the truths and are able to stand the light. But the unsaved struggle because they love darkness rather than light. Hold on, though. Don't be deceived by that. It's not only the sinner that's offended, but sometime, sometimes it's the saint as well. You say, how can that be? Well, the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Here we're given a tremendous truth, aren't we? Even as the plus of this passage is, is, is that of, excuse me, even as the plus of this passage is that nothing shall offend those that love God's law, that's the plus. Nothing will offend those that love God's law. The negative is equally true. Those that do not love His law, delight in it, will be offended at every turn. See, the believer who does not love and practice the Bible, those who do not hold the Word of God in great esteem will find themselves offended by it and by those who preach and teach it even. And that is what is so disturbing sometimes and so, so utterly sad is that there will be men and women who have received and accepted Christ, who have planted themselves in the house of God, who have grown in the house of God, who have even served in the house of God and for the cause of Christ. And then it seems somehow that their lives are upheaved and something has changed because what once delighted them now offends them. Where once the message of the gospel and the message of the cause of Christ would light a fire in their bosom and cause them to go forth with great expectation of God's victory in their life. 
Now they stand and say, I can't believe. I'm sick of hearing it again. I'm a good person. Why is he preaching on that sin again? I'll tell you why the word of God offends you now, friend. Because you no longer truly love it. Because if you truly love the word, you would live the word. It is not what we know that matters. It's what we obey. If you truly know the word, you will obey it. Sadly enough, it seems today that many believers are offended by the truth of the word of God. Doesn't that disturb you? It disturbs me. It will offend the sinner, but it will also offend the saint. And finally, last but not least, we need to be determined to stand wherever it leads. Being determined to stand has led men into the mouths of lions, into the eye of the storm, into the face of danger. Being determined to stand has cost men their lives, their fortunes, and their futures. Being determined to stand has invited danger, difficulty, and disdain. But hold on, before we find ourselves only focused on the negative, we'd be remiss not to mention the other side of the coin. Look very briefly with me to 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4, verse 7. Again, we have the home going of the Apostle Paul here. In this particular passage, he's preparing... His sons in the faith, along with others that he has invested his life into, preparing them for his very homecoming. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. We notice a few destinations that we end up at when we are determined to stand. One, it will lead you into a fight. That's a reality of it. We can't get around that. We've already noted that, so we won't spend a lot of time. He said, I have fought a good fight. When you determine to stand, you will be led into a fight. But also, notice this, you will be led, it will lead you to the finish line. He said, I have finished my course. Not only a fight, but the finish line. I want to finish this race. I don't want to be on the side of the road, broke down somewhere. I want to get to the finish line. And you know what? If you will determine to stand, God promises that you will finish the course. Not only that, but it will lead you to greater faith. He says, I have kept the faith. I, I, I grow weary at times. I'm going to be honest with you. It's frustrating to hear people say things like, I want my faith to be stronger. I want my faith to grow. Where were you in church last night? Why weren't you there? Well, I, 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 don't, I, I wasn't able to make it. How's come you weren't at the Bible study the other day? How's come, uh, did you read your Bible this week? Well, I missed quite a bit this week. Uh, well, are you praying consistently? Well, 
I, I do my best. You don't really want to grow in your faith. Oh, you'd like to, but you don't want to have to put any effort into it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. You, you have to dig into that book. You've got to get into the word of God. You want your faith to grow. You're going to take steps. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. You don't just place a Bible under your pillow at night and wake up in the morning with it all in your head. You've got to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to work in your life through his word and through his spirit and through the people of God. It will lead you into a fight, lead you to the finish line, it will lead you to greater faith, and finally, it will lead you to a brighter future. You say, how's that possible? What if I end up like one of those others, like Mary Dyer, who was hung for her faith, who didn't, didn't repent of her position, instead stood for Jesus? I don't want to die and leave my kids without some mama, or without a daddy, or without some support. Wait a second. There's more to life than just living. There's eternity. He says, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Boy, is that a wonderful thing. I close with this illustration, but the preacher John Bradford and a young man named John Leaf were to be burned at the stake for their testimony of Jesus Christ. After being led to the stake, Bradford took a bundle of those sticks in his hands that would ultimately take his life. He kissed them. Then he went to the post in which he would be tied and he kissed it. There he stood holding up his hands, casting his countenance up into heaven. As he said, O England, O England, repent thee of thy sin, repent thee of thy sins. Beware of idolatry, beware of antichrist. Take heed, they do not deceive you. And as he was speaking these words, the sheriff bade tie his hands if he would not be quiet. Oh, Master Sheriff, said Bradford, I'm quiet. God forgive you this, Master Sheriff. One of the officers which made the fire hearing Master Bradford so speaking to the sheriff said, You have no better learning than that. You're but a fool. You better hold your peace. To the which words Master Bradford gave no answer but then asked all the world's forgiveness and forgave all the world and prayed the people to pray for him and turning his head unto the young man that suffered with him that would soon take his last breath. He said, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. With that said, he spake no more words that man could hear, but instead embraced the reeds to his death. Be of good comfort, brethren, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. It will lead you to a brighter future, friend. There is more than the here and now. There is an eternity that awaits us. And may I encourage you to be determined to stand at all cost. Whoever it offends, wherever it leads, stand for His glory. Father, we come to you. We ask you, Lord, to 
use these words and this message to speak to hearts, to encourage lives. But Lord, in our midst today, there may be those who have never in, in, never accepted and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have yet to accept Him as Lord. And if they fail to do so, they will die without Jesus Christ and spend an eternity separated from God forever in the lake of fire. God of heaven, you have given us your son and he has given his life for us. He shed his blood, he died, was buried and rose again the third day that we too may live. The very power that raised him from the dead is the very power that will save our souls. It will not be our own effort turning over a new leaf changing our ways, or trying to gain your favor. It'll simply be our total trust and dependence on Jesus and His finished work on Calvary. Help those that are here without Christ to recognize their need of Jesus even today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, would someone say, Preacher, that's me. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't have that settled. I don't know for sure. Please pray for me. With an uplifted hand, can I pray for you? I know we're going just a hair later than normal. The video set us back just a little bit. will not be long, so let's not delay. That's me, preacher. I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure. I've never accepted Christ. Please pray for me. Anyone like that? Okay, you're a child of God. Are you determined to stand? Let's make a decision to stand. Let's all stand to our feet even now as the music begins to play. Father, bless us now in this next moments of invitation. Speak to our hearts and may we be willing to stand in Christ's name. Amen.